0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Tamar Hamlin's on-field collapse Monday night was shocking, but not the first case of an athlete experiencing sudden cardiac arrest. What brings this on? Is it another area of concern in sports, and can anything be done to prevent it? Also this morning, just when you thought there wasn't anything more shocking to learn about the atrocities of the Nazis, a new historical novel brings to light a real-life breeding program reminiscent of The Handmaid's Tale. And we have details on January happenings at the Findlay-Hencock County Public Library, including the upcoming Winter Read program. Director Sarah Clevidence will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. So, yesterday, uh things went about how we expected them to go. The uh election of a new speaker of the house um there wasn't one. They were they tried um but uh not able to settle on a uh, speaker. <laughs> the the opposition to Kevin McCarthy Uh, They want to elect Jim Jordan, Speaker of the House, which is odd because Jim Jordan was there promoting Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. (laughs) He doesn't want it. He is advocating for Kevin McCarthy and the people who are voting against Kevin McCarthy are voting for him. It's just weird. But again, it just uh, indicates uh, more dysfunction in Congress. What else is new? I thought this was kind of interesting with respect to uh, Congress. The new 118th Congress has a much higher percentage of Christians than the U.S. public at large, as it turns out. This is a a new report from the Pew Research Center. says the membership of the House and the Senate is largely untouched by the continuing decrease in the population of Americans who identify as Christian and the growing number of those who don't have a religious affiliation at all. Um... Well, right now, at least in the House, anyway, there are no members. Of that. They couldn't they can't even swear in the new Congress until they pick a speaker? Which I I I don't get that. I mean, uh, in terms of parliamentary rules, how do you who votes on the speaker if nobody is sworn in as a member of Congress? You know, I mean, think about that kind of weird juxtaposition. But anyway. Uh, I digress. Christians, it says here, make up 88% of the members being sworn in this week. 88%, a number that has not changed uh, substantially since the 1970s uh, when 91% of senators and representatives professed uh, Christian faith. 88%. And uh, isn't it something like in the general population, something like 64% or something? such so uh, much larger than the uh, population as a whole I don't know. you can uh, call that good or bad i guess uh, however you look at that uh, i would think most people would say that's good but uh, you know it's interesting one way or the other um you know how they uh, often say people say if you want to have a positive outlook on life hang out with positive people that is becoming harder and harder to do a recent poll of 2,000 adults found that the average respondent in the poll had 11 negative thoughts a day. That's how, that's how many negative thoughts we have each and every 11 negative thoughts a day. Uh, 34% of those in the survey, 34% believe they let themselves down at one point or another. worry about disappointing others. Negative or intrusive thoughts, otherwise known as thought distortions, will be experienced by most of the population at some point in their lives, according to the chief of psychology at Noom, uh, Andreas Michaelidis. A busy lifestyle, practicing mindfulness, and repeating positive affirmations are some of the ways to help prevent negative thoughts from derailing you. So there you go. 11 negative thoughts a day. I've never really stopped to think about how many negative thoughts. I think we all have negative thoughts from time to time, but 11 a day. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, Let's see. I saw this story on this... Uh, Speaking of thinking positively, uh, there is one country in the world who this is the time of the year we get all of those uh, year end lists and, you know, best of lists, worst of lists, year end lists for all of 2022. One country in the world did not record a single bank robbery. Do you know what country it is? Denmark. Not one single bank robbery in Denmark. Now. Before you think that it's because people in Denmark are you know, so much nicer or less criminally inclined, no, that's not the case. They say it is largely due to the drop in cash transactions. More and more people in Denmark uh, use things like debit cards and smartphone digital wallets uh, for payments at stores and restaurants and so on. Uh, they are, in Denmark, the closest thing to a cashless society that we have in the world, it says. And as a result, only 20 bank branches in the entire country even carry cash on hand at all. And I'm thinking, what does a bank branch do if they don't carry cash? it what do they do if they don't? Why do you have a bank branch if they don't carry cash? But as what it says, only twenty bank branches even carry cash on hand at all, and so they don't have bank robberies because banks don't have cash. Um, <laughs> what do you do? Walk into a bank and say Venmo me all your funds. I mean, that's you just can't do that, I guess. Um, in twenty in two thousand. Uh, In the year 2000, 221 bank robberies were recorded in Denmark. And now they have gotten this down to zero Uh, in 2021. There was only one bank robbery. So we've seen this steadily decline over the past 20 years. Now, they do point out that while robberies, bank robberies have been eliminated Unfortunately, online fraud has gone up. So, again, they're not. It's not that they are less criminally inclined at all. Just uh, these go where the money is, and the money isn't in the bank anymore. There, in Denmark, that was kind of interesting. Uh, a couple of other items among the first things that you need to know this morning: the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Speaking of uh, things uh, that are in the modern day, much much different than they. Used to be bank branches with no money. I just, I can't get out, can't get over that. Bank branches with no money. That'd be like going to a grocery store and say, oh, we don't have any groceries. What are you talking about? Um. Anyway, speaking of uh, the way things have changed uh, over the generations, it seems that uh, the old idea of diamonds are forever That may be a thing of the past when it comes to engagement rings. According to a new survey of 500 respondents, well, it's 500 respondents in Generation Z, 500 Millennials, 500 Gen Xers, and 500 Baby Boomers, all in serious relationships, either engaged or married. So 2,000 in all, 500 each across four generations, the majority Of those in this survey, 66%, two thirds, would be fine either giving or receiving an engagement ring that does not feature a diamond. Does not have to be a diamond ring to be. I thought that was interesting. Two thirds. Uh, And younger generations, not surprisingly, younger generations are most open to alternative types of rings. 74%, so nearly three out of four. Gen Zers and Millennials uh, would be fine with an engagement ring that doesn't feature a diamond. Only half of baby boomers feel that way. But what I really thought was interesting, what really caught my eye on this, one in five Millennials would be open to tying the knot permanently with a tattoo ring. So no physical ring at all. Instead, you get a tattoo ring on your ring finger, so okay. I don't know. That's more than any other generation. Uh, millennials begin to the uh, whole tattoo ring,
1: <clears throat>
0: modern-day version of branding your cattle, as it were. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of popped into my head there. And uh, here is something to think about. Um, Something brand new. And you talk about something buzzworthy, something you definitely need to know. Uh, The latest in miracle technology, better living through science. The University of Copenhagen has whipped up something creamy and delicious and eco-friendly. Researchers replaced milk fat with lactic acid bacteria to create a low-fat whipped cream. Um... The uh, most difficult aspect of developing an alternative food is getting the texture right, according to Professor Jans the University of Copenhagen. A high saturated fat content makes it possible to whip the cream stiff like a regular whipped cream. Uh, Replacing the fat with lactic acid bacteria. Um allowed researchers to create a similar texture. But here's the thing. You know where they got the lactic acid bacteria that uh, they use instead of uh, milk fat in your whipping cream? They got it from beer and plant waste. (laughs) Beer and plant waste. And they turned it into whipped cream. Uh, the method could be used to create other dairy-free, sustainable alternatives. So, just think about that. We could be... Hey, pass me some pumpkin pie and put some beer and plant waste on top of it. There it is. The next holiday, uh, sometime in the future. (laughs) Uh, no thanks. No thanks. I think I'll pass. There you go. Uh, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly cloudy today, a shower possible, a high of 57. Mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 36. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has signed a bill into law that makes distracted driving a primary offense.
0: In most circumstances, law enforcement will now be able to immediately stop any driver seen
2: manipulating a device instead of focusing on the road.
1: The governor says this tougher, distracted driving law will result in more drivers putting their phones down while behind the wheel, and that will save many, many lives. Under the new law, a driver may still use their device in specific circumstances, such as when their vehicle is parked or stopped at a red light. Get more on the website. As the new year gets underway, Ohio's political maps remain far from settled.
2: While most states managed to eventually settle their map disputes, Ohio's protracted ordeal has trapped it in a uniquely confounding legal stalemate. As for what comes next, it might be new maps sent through a realigned Ohio Supreme Court or a ballot issue reforming a process that failed. I'm Tracy Townsend.
1: The Ohio Department of Transportation says their crews were struck 135 times last year. ODOT's Matt Bruning is reminding all drivers about the state's move-over law. The key message here is, you know, these are men and women who have families at home they want to go home to every day at the end of their workday, just like all of us do. And all they ask while they work to keep you safe on the road is that you keep them safe by moving over and slowing down and paying attention when they're out there. Ohio's move-over law requires drivers to cautiously shift over one lane or slow down if it's not possible to change lanes when driving by any vehicle with flashing lights on the side of the roadway. The United Way of Hancock County's foundation is accepting C-Corps scholarship applications and references through the middle of this month. The $2,000 renewable scholarship was established as a memorial to the generosity of the Stephen and Doris C-Corps bequest. The scholarship is awarded to a Hancock County High School senior possessing a 3.5 GPA or higher, and the ideal candidate will exhibit a strong emphasis on character, leadership, and service. We have more on the scholarship on our website, including a link to the application. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now to our cover
0: story this morning. The NFL community, really the sports community at large, players, fans alike, continue to lift up their prayers for Buffalo Bills defensive back Demar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field early in the Monday night football game in Cincinnati this week. It was one of the scariest things I think any of us have ever seen on a football field. How common is this, though? And and what what caused this uh, sudden this incident of sudden cardiac arrest? Joining us this morning uh, to uh, help us out with understanding some of this, uh, Blanchard Valley Health System cardiologist Dr. Michael Danik. And uh, doc, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. In layman's terms, medically, what is sudden cardiac arrest? What, and I know we don't, none of us have any specifics on this particular case, but what happens in a sudden cardiac arrest event?
3: Good morning, Chris. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, Thanks for that question. Sudden cardiac arrest is a, a clinical situation in which the heart suddenly stops beating, and it's related to an abnormality in the electrical system of the heart. So when it occurs, these patients have no pulse, There's no blood being pumped out around the body.
0: Hmm. And can this happen to anyone at any age?
3: Unfortunately, sudden cardiac arrest can occur at any age and to any person. So
0: there doesn't have to be an underlying condition.
3: No, but most of the time there is. So the vast majority of the time as a cardiologist, we see sudden cardiac arrest in patients who have some underlying heart disease, be that uh, cardiomyopathy, which is an abnormality of the heart muscle itself, or in the scenario of coronary artery disease, where you get cholesterol buildup in the arteries of the heart. The problem with cardiac arrest is patients can seem completely fine one moment, and the next moment would be collapsing, just like we saw play out yeah. on Monday Night Football.
0: So there's been a lot of talk that maybe that, that hit, uh, you know, being hit hard in the chest while making that tackle uh, was maybe what triggered it. If, it, if the hit happened at just the right place and just the right time. Is that a possibility?
3: So there's a phenomenon called commotio cordis. We usually see it in sports um, that involve projectiles, baseball, hockey, lacrosse, the pucks or the lacrosse ball. Mm -hmm. And what happens is there can be a blunt force trauma to the chest right right in the location of the heart that happens at just the right time in the cardiac cycle that causes this uh, abnormality in the electrical system. That can occur without any underlying heart disease, but it's very rare. It's certainly a possibility in this case.
0: So uh, much of the concern about... uh, injury serious injuries in sports over in recent years uh has been uh, involving concussions which again can happen to anyone at any age in any contact sport under the right circumstances is this something that we should also be paying more attention to obviously less common than concussions but is this something that we should be concerned about as well
3: well sure you know um Your listeners, especially if they have children who play sports, can probably relate. They have to take their children every year to get a sports physical. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think about that sports physical as an opportunity to look for musculoskeletal um, injuries or a predisposition to musculoskeletal injuries or a history of concussions. But to be honest, a lot of that evaluation is screening and looking for risk factors that might identify someone who has underlying heart problems that have gone undiagnosed. So, so sort of a pre-participation evaluation of the heart is part of that physical, though patients may not realize that's actually part of what's going on when they see their doctor.
0: So uh, again this is something that we it, it is interesting to note uh with respect to that in terms of of youth sports that uh as most people know I uh, am a youth sports official myself and part of my certification each year is a module on training how to handle or how to deal with a sudden cardiac arrest uh situation Uh, Just actually went through that last week in my uh, certification. So this is something that uh, is on the radar screen of sports uh, organizations at every level.
3: Yeah, actually, in the state of Ohio in 2017, a law was uh, enacted called Lindsay's Law that requires officials, uh, coaches, even parents to be notified of the risk of cardiac arrest in sports. Uh, and so it does require annual training annual uh, to bring it bring it really f- to the forefront of consciousness of all the individuals involved um, and it 's really important for organizations, whether that 's schools um, gyms, churches clubs to to have in place an emergency action plan to respond quickly and and we saw that play out all the NFL mm-hmm. teams are required to have an emergency action plan right. that was immediately put into place monday night and mm-hmm. you, and you can see that at least for now. Uh, damar hamlin survived the initial event now the yeah. question will be what happens moving now forward?
0: Uh, obviously none of us are, are privy to specific information regarding uh damar hamlin's condition or this particular case but it has been reported that he is in a medically induced coma would that be standard practice for a patient who has experienced sudden cardiac arrest that
3: would be quite typical now On occasion, after someone is resuscitated from cardiac arrest, they regain consciousness right away. But a lot of patients remain unconscious, and so they would be sedated heavily. In in Mr. Hamlin's case and in a lot of patients' cases, they're on a ventilator to support their breathing. The sedation, that medically induced coma, helps to take off the, the stress on the body to allow some initial healing whether that's for the brain, the heart, the lungs, all of those vital organs. And then moving forward, what the doctors assess is the readiness to start to withdraw some of those, or, or withdraw is not a good term, but remove some of those life-sustaining measures as the patient demonstrates their ability to handle those activities on their own.
0: And from what the family has said, uh, he is uh, now breathing more normally and is on uh, less, I guess, uh, at first he was on 100% oxygen. That's now down to 50%. So a good sign?
3: Well, certainly it's a a good move to be moving in the right direction. I think it's... Without more information, it's still hard to say what his prognosis would be.
0: Well, and and one thing that we do know from league statements, from statements from the team, is that uh, DeMar Hamlin is in critical condition, which I would think would be uh, expected of anyone yep. uh, within 24 to 48 hours yeah, of yep. uh, experiencing this kind of cardiac event. Uh, but the doctors at UC Medical Center have uh, spoke to the media yesterday and said that the next 48 hours are critical. So, you know, yep. these next first couple of days. What would they be evaluating in that time and, and how so? I mean, how that that 48-hour window?
3: Sure. I mean, they, they would be monitoring – all the way from the basics of heart rate, uh, blood pressure, uh, kidney function. Some of that is uh, assessed through laboratory values. They'll be assessing brain function. They'll be trying to see, is there evidence that that DeMar is demonstrating higher brain function that would be a a positive prognostic sign that he's going to continue to recover and, as I mentioned, start to be able to remove some of those life-sustaining measures like a ventilator um, that are helping uh, support his body at this time?
0: Now, obviously, as we're all hoping and praying for the best here, what does a recovery from an event like this look like?
3: Well, it's, uh, it runs the gamut. You know, the vast majority of these patients, unfortunately, do not survive. Many of them aren't even able to be successfully resuscitated. In Damar Hamlin's case, obviously, he had medical attention by his side within seconds. Yeah. Uh, he was able to have his circulation restored on the field. Now, moving forward, then the question is, based on how long um, uh, that resuscitative resuscitative effort was carried on, what are the effects on his vital organs? What is the effect going to be on his brain, on his heart, and on his kidneys? Mm -hmm. And time will tell. Some patients will recover and they'll be completely normal by the time they're ready to leave the hospital. Others may have some permanent sustained injury yeah. to one of those, one or more of those organs.
0: It's really interesting. You mentioned that some patients will fully recover. A similar situation happened a couple of years ago when a pro soccer player collapsed uh, during a match at a tournament in Europe. And he has since fully recovered and resumed his professional career. I think he plays for Manchester United now. So the top mm-hmm. uh, tier of of, uh, of professional soccer In in that case, And hopefully in this case as well, as you were mentioning, that's probably due in no small part to the immediate care that he received.
3: Mm -hmm. Sure. uh,
0: With that in mind then, and I guess maybe this would be the message uh, to send, what should someone know in the event that they would encounter uh, a a situation like this or an event like this? The most
3: important thing is to understand that quick action saves lives. And so – Um, immediate initiation of CPR and activation of 911. If there is a a second person available to help, to try to find an automated external defibrillator, AED, if one's available. Uh, Though looking for an AED shouldn't delay that initial CPR and life-saving intervention. Um, Really, folks out there, I mean, if they haven't taken a CPR course, if they were uh, inclined to do so, to, to gain those skills, or if they've taken a course before, maybe take it again mm-hmm. to refresh those skills, to be available, to jump in as a first responder, as a bystander, because again, every minute that goes by without treatment reduces the likelihood of survival by up to 10%. So time really is important in these yeah. cases.
0: Uh, maybe if there can be anything good that comes out of this, uh, that will be the message to drive home to people.
3: Yeah, the public awareness is important. Yeah,
0: again, uh, BVHS uh, cardiologist Dr. Michael Denike with us uh, this morning, uh, talking about uh, sudden cardiac arrest in this uh, Damar Hamlin uh, case. Again, uh, hoping and praying for the best, but uh, you know, kind of understanding a little bit about what happened and what is likely to happen next. Dr. Denike, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Well, one to add to your reading list, this is a really fascinating book. Joining us is author Jennifer Coburn. Praised by CBS, the Associated Press, the Washington Post. Her book, Cradles of the Reich, is a story of a top-secret World War II Nazi breeding program, a histor you heard that right, is a historical novel based on true events that are frighteningly similar. To The Handmaid's Tale, which you may be familiar with that storyline. Jennifer, I have to admit that I have never heard about this. We've heard a lot about the horrors associated with the Nazis, but this one was new to me. How did you learn about this abomination, and what made you decide to write about it?
2: Well, good morning, and thanks for having me on today, Chris. Um, Yeah, this was something that I hadn't heard of either five years ago, But when I learned that the Nazis had a breeding program with an eye on, uh, you know, an eye toward creating 2 million new racially pure, and that's their term, babies, I had a lot of questions. I wanted to know how the women were selected, where these homes were, and why, why. Women would volunteer to have a child for the Reich, and that's what they called it. They called it having a baby for Hitler.
0: It's really not necessarily surprising that there would be uh, such a program, given the uh, mindset uh, that we're all familiar with. We studied uh, Nazism; that you know, they were they were the the pure uh, race, or they were the master race, uh, and so on. So this is not altogether surprising.
2: Yeah, no, it's not surprising. Um, but it, it certainly was new information to me, and yeah. I sought a historical novel that would address these questions, but also do so in the context of a story. I wanted to know about the women and yeah. their lives Um in this program.
0: Well, was there some trepidation about turning a true story about something like this uh, into a novel? I mean, this is not a warm and fuzzy topic. You have to kind of tread somewhat carefully with this subject matter, do you not? You know, it's
2: not a warm and fuzzy topic, but what I'm hearing from readers is that they feel like it's Ultimately, a story about women's friends, friendships, and the connections that we forge, and how those help us to rise to heroism that we never knew we were capable of. So, yes, it is a weighty topic, but it is done so, I'm told, in a very accessible voice and tone, so that we can, um, first and foremost, be engaged in a story about women that we care about. And second, we will learn a lot about this Lebensborn Society and how it operated within the Reich.
0: Well, that's actually what I was going to ask. How would you describe this story then uh, for people who are uh, hearing about this for the first time?
2: I I would say that it's a story of three German women and the uh, and how they changed the course of one another's lives when they met at the Laben'sborn breeding home called Heimhochland, which was in Bavaria and they met at the start of the war and the three women represent the different choices that German women had in 1939 They um there's a resistor there's a bystander And then there's a true believer. Uh, My character Hilda is all in with the Nazi cause. Hmm. So um, Gundy is a university student who is good and pure and fights evil. And then Irma, who's the bystander, she has, um, you know, she goes in to this program thinking she's doing a good thing for the women and for her country. But then as she discovers what the Lebensborn really is, and when she finds out more about what the Nazis truly stand for, she's faced with a choice. She has to decide whose side she's on. Yeah. So it's a story about. Women in difficult, difficult situations, and how um, and how this challenges them and and helps them
0: grow. To a certain extent, uh, those are timeless uh, lessons that transcend this particular situation, historical situation.
2: Mm-hmm. It it is first and foremost a story about women, and it's just it's set in the Nazi Lebensborn
0: yeah. program. No,
2: but readers who have a lot of questions about Lebensborn who have never heard of it but are fascinated by the subject will um, learn a lot about the program without feeling like they're being taught a history lesson
0: yeah um, you mentioned that you know again this is uh, based on an actual program uh, that the, the the Nazis implemented. What about the characters themselves? Are they entirely fictional, or are they, too, based on uh, individuals that you encountered in your research about this program?
2: So they are fictional, but one of the characters, Hilda, the true Hitler girl, mm-hmm. is based on Hild- Hildegard Trust. And she was a volunteer with the Labans Born Society and she was one of the very few people that were was interviewed about her time in the program. And even after the war she said it was the best the best time of her life, and mm. that
0: she was proud of her service to the wow. country. Yeah, that is scary stuff. Uh, ultimately, what are the Ooh. the lessons that you hope that people take away from the book when they when they read the last page and they put it down? What do you hope the enduring message is here?
2: I hope the enduring message is um, the strength of women is even greater than we have, had thought before, um, and also. What do the warning signs of the rise of fascism look like? What do we need to be vigilant of in, in our own country and in our own communities? Um, what information are we getting and how do we check to see that we're not getting propaganda given to us by some uh, party with an agenda of their own?
0: It is uh, really scary to consider uh, what that all can lead to as it ultimately plays out uh, in this case. The book is called Cradles of the Reich. Uh, Author Jennifer Coburn is with us this morning. Do you have a website in conjunction with the book we can guide folks to?
2: I sure do. It's jennifercoburn.com. And when you're on my website, you can find social media links and we can connect on Facebook or Instagram.
0: Jennifer, thanks very much for taking the time and certainly best of luck with the book. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
2: Making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM.
0: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Two suspects in uh, Polk County, Florida, a, a man and a woman, are uh, under arrest after uh, calling 911. Apparently, one of them called 911 because they needed help in moving some furniture. Now, you would think, why would that get you arrested? I mean, it's not a reason to call 911, but really, policing them under arrest? Well, it turns out. Uh, that the furniture that they were uh, asking police for help in moving was furniture they were stealing from a a home that they had broken into. (laughs) And there are all all kinds of things wrong uh, in this picture. First of all, uh, (laughs) that takes some chutzpah to uh, call police (laughs) to get some help in uh, moving furniture that you're actually trying to steal from someone's home. But then imagine being such a wimpy burglar that you can't complete your burglary because you lack the ability to move some furniture. I mean, (laughs) being a burglar is hard work. You got to prepare for this. You got to get into a workout regimen and all of this. So, I mean, there are all kinds of ways that you can rob someone. If you're going to go for the big stuff, you really should be (laughs) fit enough to pull it off. <laughs> Didn't take long to find our dumb criminals of the year. Those are the dumbest criminals of the year thus far Polk County, Florida. Uh, while talking to, but by the way, the story actually gets better from there. While talking to police officers, one of the suspects, um, uh, one suspect admitted she had called 911 to ask uh, law enforcement to help them move their stolen belongings. They also reportedly wanted a ride to the airport so that they could spend the weekend in new york <laughs> hey by the way we're going to new york for the weekend can you give us a ride to the airport well uh, police gave them a ride but they didn't end up at the airport let's just put it that way <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere in the broken news this morning uh dateline Chi- uh, Thailand. This is from uh, Thailand. From the international file of the broken news. Uh, uh, let's see here. Boontum Chaimoon and his wife An- uh Amnwe were vacationing over the Christmas holiday when oh, they were headed to their hometown for a family gathering. When they took a, a pit stop, they both had to you know, use the facilities. And so they uh, took a pit stop. Um, The husband did not realize that he had left his wife (laughs) there uh, after he drove off when he was done. (laughs) They stopped to uh, relieve themselves. And uh, the husband apparently got done first, hopped back in the car thinking His wife was asleep in the back seat, according to what he said. Uh, He drove off without realizing that his wife was not in the vehicle. Apparently got about 100 miles down the road (laughs) before he realized that she wasn't in the car. Thought she was asleep in the back seat. Uh, For her part, she was stranded because she had left her money and her phone in the car. Turned out she had to walk 13 miles until she found a police station. (laughs) They could track down her husband. (laughs) By the time they caught up with the uh, husband, he had realized something had gone horribly wrong. By the way, the couple have been married for 27 years. If I ever did that to my wife, we would not make it to 28. (laughs) No further details about uh, what happened next. But I'm assuming somebody got a tongue lashing there. <clears throat> Speaking of the holidays, got a couple of uh, uh, broken news stories of a postscript on the uh, holiday. A man dubbed the Santa Slayer has been arrested in Stafford County. Um... What is this? Stafford uh, County, Virginia, I think it is. It just says Stafford County. We got to get somebody on this here. Need more details. Anyway, authorities say the unnamed 39 year old man attacked an inflatable Santa decoration (laughs) on New Year's Day. Apparently, he was ready for all of the Christmas decorations. To uh, come down. He attacked an inflatable Santa decoration. Um, Deputies say they arrived at the scene to find the suspect wearing a red jersey, underwear, and one shoe. (laughs) Dubbed the Santa Slayer, he was taken into custody for public intoxication. And uh, he was held in the uh, county pokey until he had sobered up. They're in Stafford County. They are safe from the Santa Slayer. Thank goodness. Uh, Meanwhile, a man in Indianapolis by the name of uh, Javion Williams is facing charges after he and this is very common in some countries. Uh, Most places in this country, you can't do it. It's illegal, but it's very common for people to go into the streets to celebrate the new year by firing guns into the air. You know, gunfire uh, into the air, it's a common way of uh, celebrating, ringing in the new year. That's what Javion Williams did uh, in Indianapolis uh, to culminate his New Year's Eve celebration. Two problems uh, with this. Number one, it's illegal to uh, discharge a weapon in that way um, in Indianapolis. And uh, number two, he's on parole. (laughs) On parole! And uh, in possession of a firearm. So he's in all kinds of trouble with the law. (laughs) All he wanted to do was ring in the new year. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, um, this is from Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, where a would-be thief of some copper wire uh, learned the cruel sting of lesson number one. If you're going to steal some copper wire, make sure that the electricity is cut off first. Uh, Reporters, a report out of Lehigh Valley said uh, a group of hunters ended up calling 911 after they heard screaming from an electric tower and looked up to see a man dangling high above the ground the 51-year-old culprit whom police arrested said he was trying to steal some copper wire but instead got the shock of his life he had scaled the tower and secured himself before trying to help himself to the wire which was apparently stored somewhere on the on the tower it wasn't the electric wire but uh He ended up, in trying to steal the stored wire, he cut into a live line. The man, who was shocked and burned, was propelled back by the power of the shock and fell nearly 30 feet before his safety line caught him. At least he had a safety line that saved him from smacking into the ground below. The man was treated at a nearby hospital and released on his own recognizance, figuring he probably won't do that again. Uh, The man was charged... (laughs) no pun intended, with felony attempted theft, as well as two misdemeanor counts of possession of an instrument of a crime and criminal mischief is due back in court later this month. (laughs) Lesson number one. Well, it's lesson number two. Lesson number one is that if you're going to try and steal furniture, (laughs) somebody's home, you know, make sure that you can uh, handle moving the furniture. Lesson number two, if you're going to steal copper wire, make sure the electricity is cut first. Sometimes the criminals make it just too easy. There you go. That is today's broken news report. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced is halting all social media advertising.
2: The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth. And trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth. Using the media consumer's
0: trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Remember, yesterday we mentioned that heading into 2023, people are generally less, a little less optimistic uh, than they were heading into 2022. A new poll from Gallup. Uh, shows shows what it is that Americans are largely pessimistic about in the year to come. 80% of Americans predict a shaky economy will get worse in the form of higher taxes and a growing budget deficit. 80% of Americans concerned about that heading into 2023. 90% of those polled expect political conflict And I saw that, and I'm thinking to myself, who are the 10% who don't think that there's going to be political (laughs) conflict in the coming year? Who are those 10% of people? 90% say uh, we can expect political conflict. 85% believe that there will be discord overseas. We already see discord overseas, depending on, I guess, how you define that. 60% 60% of those in the poll think prices will rise even higher than they did in 2022 and the stock market will continue to fall as it did at the tail end of last year, while 50% say unemployment will rise in 2023. In fact, despite President Biden boasting back in October that the U.S. economy is strong, respondents' readings on confidence in the economy ranked among the worst. Since the Great Recession, 72% say crime will continue to rise as well. And uh, when it comes to international affairs, 64% believe that the U.S. power in the world will continue to decline. The United States power and influence in the world will decline in 2023, according to 64% of the poll. 73 percent believe that china's power and influence will continue to increase so not a particularly rosy outlook uh, according to this uh, gallup poll and this is just these this is what experts are saying this is what average americans are pessimistic about heading into 2023 Time to find out what's happening in the month of January. And Hancock County Public Library, Director Sarah Clevidence, is here. Probably the uh, big thing, month of January, uh, and it's coming up, what, this weekend, kickoff of the uh, Winter Read program. This is kind of a uh, the uh, mirror image of the Summer Read program, I guess, right?
4: Absolutely. It starts on Sunday, January 8th, runs through February 4th. You know, it's warmer out today, but... This is usually uh, a fairly cold time of year, and we all just want to snuggle up with a good book. Exactly. So.
0: What is the quintessential thing? We always say, you know, curl up by the fire with a good book. And... Uh,
4: yes, exactly. And and Winter Read just gives you some added incentive to do that.
0: So. Sure. So how does uh, all of this work? You can register in the library or with
4: an app, uh, the Read Squared app, same one we use for Summer Read. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just going to track your books by, uh, the, by the book, by the minutes read. Uh, There's fun challenges on there. There's usually some sort of bingo card you can do and other little games you can do. Um, you know, it's just a way to to start your new year right with uh, continuing to read.
0: There you go. And for those who have not participated before, there's not an assigned reading list here.
4: Never, which, we'll never give you an assigned reading list yeah. at the library because we want everyone to read what they like.
0: Exactly. So you can pick your own stuff. Uh, it's just the idea of getting everybody into the habit of reading.
4: Absolutely. So. And our friends at the library have generously donated some prizes as added incentive. Aha!
0: Uh-huh. Such as
4: such as gift. Gift cards to uh, area businesses.
0: Okay. Very good. So uh, this is this is serious stuff here. We've it got is. some got some goodies on the line. And of course bragging rights.
4: So. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't want to win win a read? <laughs> and this is uh, for all ages? All ages.
0: So, uh, again, all you have to do is uh, sign up online.
4: Sign up online. You can go to our website and find the link to the app.
0: Very good. Uh, Winter Read is the uh, big thing to uh, kick off the new uh, new year. With respect to that, you actually, we were uh, talking before we went on the air, uh, you recently had a a library patron uh, actually ask you for some recommendations. So, if, you know, for the benefit of those who will be participating in Winter Read, what would you suggest?
4: Yeah, so our patron that wrote is doing one of those uh, reading challenges where they've got different categories, and one was Librarian's Choice. So he uh, wanted me to oh. send him some ideas. Okay. So my favorite book that I read last year was The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. Uh, the, the whole premise is one morning everybody wakes up, and there's a box outside their door, and inside is a string. And that string is the measure of your life. Hmm. So that just explores the idea of that from people who decide to open the box and see how long their string is to those that don't people who have long strings, people who have short strings. Mm. It's just so much to think about. Yeah. Very,
0: very engaging. Interesting. Story. That uh, does sound like something, again, for uh, perfect for first of the year and making all these resolutions yeah. and all of that would go very well. Anything else that uh, jumps out at you? Yeah, so there,
4: I love cozy mysteries. I love fantasy. I love romance. I, I read a big variety of things. Um, I'm reading a really great cozy mystery right now called Color Me Murder by uh, – Gosh, now the author's name's just slipped away from me. But uh, she works in a a bookstore and also makes uh, coloring books. So that was a recommendation from one of my Ah, colleagues at at the library. That one's really fun. Interesting. Uh, Ladies of the Secret Circus was a great fantasy by uh, Christine Sayers. So uh, one of those really multi-layered books that that was fun to dive into. Okay.
0: Uh, And are there are there is there anything new coming out? I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but there. Stuff coming out here in the first couple of months of the year that you know, you're know you kind of looking forward to?
4: Oh, my gosh. I should have pulled my list out for what's, <laughs> what's coming. You know, what I love to do is um, keep a list. So I, I can't tell you what's coming out because I didn't look at my list. But okay. I'm going I'm to give you my tip yeah. for how to keep track of what okay. you want to read. Okay. All right? So you give yourself a calendar point on the first of every month uh-huh. that's put books on hold at the library. Uh-huh. And then... As you see your favorite authors have something coming out, you just add it to the notes of that, and that okay. way you can remember to get on the holds list at the library yeah. for all the things that you love. Yeah. So you know, go to Amazon, look up all your favorites,
0: but don't buy them there. Come to the library to get them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at least find out if you uh, if you like them. If it's something that you would want to you know add to your own I personal mean, library, the great so, uh, thing
4: about the library yeah. is you can put all of the books on hold, check them out, and. We don't care if you don't actually read it when you take it home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it it wasn't for you. It's uh, also because there are so many uh books that are coming out all the time i mean obviously well-known authors but then you know lesser-known authors mm-hmm. uh, always have some interesting we were talking with one uh earlier in the uh in the program sounded really fascinating to me uh the uh, cradles of the reich and um you know local authors uh you know any direction you want to go
4: absolutely you know our virtual author talks are another great way to discover new authors there's there's one coming up uh, January 17th on decluttering to start your new year. So, mm-hmm. you know, fiction, nonfiction, all kinds.
0: That's uh, interesting. You, you bring that up. That program continues uh, into the uh, new year, the virtual Author yes. uh, Talks. And uh, interesting, is not all necessarily novels and things no, like that.
4: No, no. There's, uh, there's three different authors in January. Most months we have about three different authors, and it's a really wide variety.
0: Okay. Uh, again, for uh, more information, then there are always uh, programs. I know January is a bit light uh, and programming and so on as you kind of getting into the swing of the new year. But uh, always uh, programs, book discussions, you know, all of that going on at the library as well. Absolutely. Uh, all of that stuff is uh, on the uh, website, including uh, more information about Winter Read. Yes,
4: FinleyLibrary.org.
0: Okay, we've got a link up at our webpage uh, for that as well. Again, uh, Library Director Sarah Clevidence with us at Finley Hancock County Public Library. Winter Read begins this weekend. Got it linked up. Uh, Sarah, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And once again, a reminder you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, we'll tell you what's new and next in the world of technology, and what will be the hottest gadgets of the year. We will get the scoop direct from CES 2023, the annual Consumer Electronics Show, going on this week in Las Vegas. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.